Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today we are answering the question that hopefully you'll never have to ask of yourself, (laughs) why you lost the listing. Listen, let's be honest. Getting to the point where you're going on a listing appointment, you have taken a lot. You've put a lot of effort in. Even if it's just your mom calling you to come list your house, there's going to be a lot of effort that goes into going on that appointment, doing the CMA, setting aside the time, maybe hiring babysitters, the rest of it. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to do our best to expose the top 10 reasons why agents don't take listings. In other words, why agents fail at taking listings. For you to receive this information as intended, you have to open your mind to this concept that everything is your responsibility. And I know that's an extreme thing to say, especially in this, I don't know what you want to call it, cultural climate that we're within. But I want you to consider that. Everything good that happens to you is your responsibility. Everything bad that happens to you is your responsibility. When you start out with that, and I know that's not completely true, but what it is is it's making it so that you open your mind to learning from your mistakes or learning from your your failures. Because when we go through these 10 points today and tomorrow, we're going to be hopefully opening your mind to the reality that all of these mistakes are avoidable based on your willingness to be a professional and follow a proven step, following a proven seven-step listing process. In other words, when you take a listing, you can celebrate because that is a victory. That's one of the, frankly, one of the biggest wins you can have in real estate. But when you don't take a listing, you need to find out why you didn't take the listing so you don't make that mistake twice. So what we're going to go through, first of all, is we're going to have three agreements. And these three agreements are going to be between you know, you now and you into the future about your understanding of how you're going to approach the real estate business. So agreement number one, Julie. Agreement number one, and you might want to start taking notes. This is the first episode of a two-episode podcast series about this. So point number one, or agreement number one, working with buyers is physical labor and working with sellers is mental labor. Listings give you leverage. Working with buyers, well, you're their leverage. Listing agents make more money and have more solid businesses as well as more free time than buyer's agents do. The more listings you have, the more security you'll have mentally, emotionally, and financially. And here's the thing that as Julie is reading that point, here's where my mind went um, to how absolutely 100% factual that statement is. Because here's all you have to ask yourself, because I know some of you are saying, Tim, if listings are becoming harder to sell, why would I want one of them, let alone 20 of them? It's because they, each of those listings give you leverage. We talked and we talk frequently about the fact that every listing, if you market it correctly, if you do the things we suggest you do, you'll create at least four or six other real estate transactions from it. But leverage in the sense that you can be, I remember you showed me this picture. It was maybe like yeah. three winters ago, uh-huh. right? of one of your coaching clients, probably named Barbara, probably who took a picture of herself with her golden retriever, having a cup yeah. of coffee yes. in front of a, in front of a, a, a fireplace, a, a fireplace. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you could see over uh, the window, there was like 14 feet of snow on the Snowmageddon. ground. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. she was being thankful. Yes. And she had sent me an email saying she was, I don't know, maybe three or four years into the business. And we'd been working on this a lot, turning her into a great listing agent. She said, you know, 
As the snow falls outside and I am sitting in front of the fireplace with my dog, I am very appreciative of the fact that I have 10 active listings out there and that I am not the one shoveling my way to the door and all these buyer's agents are basically beholden to that work, whereas I am here prospecting. She said she's calling some more expireds and she's planning on building her inventory up to 15 in the next couple of weeks. And so that shows you the gratitude that listing agents have because it is scalable. Buyers, I mean, can you really work with 10 buyers at once? Well, but that's the point though. So she had uh, you know, 10 active listings and let's say in her MOS there were 10,000 active real estate agents. So by taking 10 listings, she's in essence got 10,000 yeah, agents that hypothetically are going to have to, you know, truck through the snow to basically working for her. Exactly, working yeah. for her. That's leverage. You want leverage by doing a lot of marketing and branding, and each of your marketing and branding pieces hypothetically creates leverage. Not really, because most of the marketing and branding, really all forms of marketing branding, is here today, gone tomorrow, or, or more like a postcard. For example, someone gets it in the mail and drops it in a trash can. There's not a lot of leverage in that. A listing is the ultimate form of leverage in real estate. A listing, we show you how to do this in our coaching program. If you do what we suggest you do, you'll not just generate one sale from a listing. You'll generate multiple sales, four to six different transactions from every listing you take. And here's all the question you have. The only question you have to ask yourself. Let's use that example. Would you rather have 10 listings? Would you rather have 10 listings, motivated sellers, positioned correctly, priced correctly, all the, you know, everything, all the boxes checked, great listings, 10 of those listings. And let's say every time one of them sells, you make 15 grand. Or would you rather have, I don't even throw out a huge number, 30 buyers, right? Would you rather have 30 buyers who could change their mind, decide to cancel appointments, interest rates went up or down by a 16th of a point, so they decide to you know do something completely different, walk into new construction, buy from the new builder opposed to buying from you. You guys get the idea. That's and a lot I, of physical labor right there. Exactly. Well, the point is, Ultimately, hopefully you've figured this out by now by being a longtime podcast listener and coaching client. There is no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Buyers are always want to buy. By being uh, want to buy, they can always change their mind. Whereas if we and we teach you how to do this in the coaching program, there are things as sellers that have to sell that absolutely positively have to sell. They don't have a choice other than to sell their home, whereas buyers can always change their mind. They can always stay put. They can always rent. They can always lease. And that's what a lot of the buyers are doing right now because of what's going on in the economy. And you're going to experience even more of, the, uh, of that type of thing. So if you want to eliminate the never-ending, I think, frustration that a lot of you feel and some of the burnout you feel all too frequently, almost always it comes from the buyer side of the transaction. Learn how to be a powerful listing agent. And again, working with buyers, and Julie said this in our best-selling book, Harris Rules, is physical labor. Working with sellers is mental labor. Mental labor in the fact that you have to know how to sell. You have to know how to present. You have to know how to follow a system, follow a process. It's Handle far more, objections and close. Exactly. It's far more professional. But here's the other advantage, and I didn't put this down in just one of our understandings, is that when you're working with sellers, if working with sellers becomes your primary focus of your real estate business, you can choose, and a lot of our, frankly, top-tier coaching clients do choose, to no longer work with buyers. Some of them form buyer agents, staff, and teams, and that's fine. Others of them, the ones that frankly make more money, take the buyer leads that they get after they've had them pre-qualified. Like buyer calls up asking about 123 Elm Street, your new listing. The buyer is pre-qualified to find out if they have a house to sell. And if they're, if they're listing, then obviously you're going to handle that listing. Um, if they're just a straight up buyer, then you refer that buyer to another agent in your marketplace 
for a you know a normal referral fee. That is something that's normal that's done when you have leverage from having listings. Uh, agreement number two. Agreement number two, the listing less than nine out of 10 sellers that you present to is failing. It is normal in the industry, however, for agents to be taught to fail by only that failing by t- only taking 50% of their listings, that that's normal or worse that they can expect to just take 50% of what you go on. Well, you wouldn't accept a grade of 50% from your kids. So how is that acceptable for you? Stop making it okay to fail. It's not okay to fail. And the way to stop failing is to systematize, follow the seven step listing uh, system so that you're not dropping the ball somewhere along the road. But it is not okay. You should be striving really nine out of 10, even like for us, it should really be 10 out of 10. Well, assuming that you did everything you're supposed to do, that you've pre-qualified, that you're in front of somebody who actually has to sell, you know, and, and that it's an area that you work. You know, you should be able to take 10 out of 10 when you do it the right way. Well, we just finished a podcast series, Don't Go If You Don't Know. Right. right? If you, when you know all of that stuff, you are positioning yourself to win. That's right. Because you pre-qualified the seller. You know what they think the house is worth. You know if you're competing. You know what their time frame is. You know what their motivation is. If you have all of the questions answered prior to going on the appointment, and we show you how to do that. And by the way, you send a pre-listing pack ahead of time, and the pre-listing pack removes all of the objections, all of the questions, removes, frankly, all of the stress. When you get to the seller's house, they know what the commission is. They know what you're going to suggest the price is. They know what their net's going to be. They know what you're doing to sell the house marketing-wise. They know all the things that you normally would have to take the time to try to explain to them. They already have the answers to because you sent your pre-listing pack. All the things that you're fearful of them asking, which frankly is the reason a lot of you have avoided becoming listing agents, Mm -hmm. those are all completely, all those objections are handled ahead of time when you send the pre-listing pack. Again, when you follow the seven-step listing process, proactively lead generate, pre-qualify, present, negotiate, and close. And obviously you want to, you know, do a really great job of uh, doing lead follow-up. Agreement number three before we get to our first official point. Agreement number three, becoming a successful listing agent is the most challenging skill-based, highest paid part of your job. Not becoming great at this is a liability to your career. Make the commitment to learn the most important part of your job as a real estate professional. And I think now more than ever, that is very clear that not being a great listing agent, even a listing, maybe you're not somebody that needs to have 10 actives at once, right? But not being able to identify you know, go and interview, win the listing presentation and successfully list and sell. You know, if you're reading the Harris Rules book, if you're a coaching client, if you follow the treasure map, you know what your magic number is. Not being able to do that is absolutely a liability to your future success. I, I was about to talk about the magic number. Thank you for teaming me up. Mm-hmm. So here's the, here's essentially one of the, uh, this is the magic number formula. I'm going to oversimplify it. Then I'm going to tell you guys how to go and figure out what yours is. I want you to imagine you're in a marketplace where your average commission is, I'll just choose 15 grand, right? That's probably realistic. There's a lot of parts of the country where it's a heck of a lot more, but let's just say $15,000. It's kind of interesting how much that's increased over the last 10 years that the average commission is, Mm -hmm. but there you go. So 15 grand. If you had 10 listings at all times, and listen, listeners, this is really important. If you've got 10 good listings, and these are listings that aren't land or listings that aren't weird, you know, mixed use junk. Exactly. A double wide hanging on the side of a cliff. These are good single family residential type properties. Maybe you've got some mixed use mixed in, but it's not something that's too weird, right? So you've got 10 strong listings. I don't care what's happening in the marketplace. You're going to have at least two of those go into contract every single month. 
you're going to have at least two pending listings that have every single month. That means if you do nothing else but have 10 listings at all times, you're going to be making, using our math, $30,000 a month, $360,000 a year. Some of you, all of you, make it so damn difficult to actually make a living in real estate, let alone really thrive in real estate, because you didn't listen to what I just said. I'll do it again. Let's say you can't imagine, can't fathom ever having 10 listings at all times. Well, let's make the number something maybe you can wrap your mind around. Three listings at all times, right? Three listings at all times. Your average sale price is say, you know, let's make your average commission $10,000. Now I'm thinking about all of our, you know, EXP family that we have in Iowa, for example. Average uh, commission is 10,000. When you have three listings at all times and your average commission is $10,000, you're going to have on average at least 12 to 15 closings per year uh, as those because they're going to take longer to sell. Now, the magic number formula definitely is built on the premise that you're going to have five listings at all times. But no matter if it's five or it's three or if it's 30, the point is listings that you have that are active, there's going to be a certain percent that sell every single month. Now, you might have, you're that agent that has three listings at all times. So how do you spend your day? Here's how you spend your day. You spend your day by servicing the sellers. Make sure you have the listing when it sells. You spend your day by looking for more opportunities to list more houses. You spend your day by making sure that when some, that you never fall below a minimum standard of three listings at all times or five or 10 or 15 or whatever your magic number is. That way you have consistent income. You, that means that yes, listeners, you do not then have to spend your time chasing shiny objects. You do not have to spend your time nope. making a bunch of TikTok videos. You do not have to spend your time trying to figure out what your big why is. I just gave it to you. Make sure you always have your minimum number of listings at all times. Then you have consistent income. That's right. So let's, you scaled it down so that everybody could digest that. I'm going to scale it up based on a coaching call I just had. So this kind of plays into some top, you know, top producers and maybe some brokers and team leaders. John Walkinshaw in Canada. Typically, he needs to be closing eight to 10 transactions per month to meet or exceed his goals. Okay. That's a lot of deals. In the past market, he's been able to do that with eight to 12 actives at all times. Let me add that this, put this in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because we have coaching clients that are selling 30 to 40 homes a, uh, a month. Sure. Right. John has one assistant or does he have two now? Does he have one? He has uh, one plus one of his daughters does some buyer work, but by and large, he's not working any buyers unless they're listings that are buying with him. So he's got basically one and a half. So John Walkinshaw, when he earns a dollar, he's keeping like 95 cents. Yes. And that's how we coach all of our clients to really build their businesses because I have bad news for all of you who think you're going to build a great real estate company around your amazing brand and sell it one day for some huge multiple. It's never going to happen. So your real estate business at the end of the day, it's essentially supposed to be like an ATM machine. Mm -hmm. When you get really good, like we're describing, John Walkinshaw is very consistently very good every single month, every single year. Then you start producing consistent profit and then you can uh, you produce consistent results or I'm sorry, opportunities for you to invest that profit and you become rich where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. John is a fantastic agent. Well, that's right. And he has the, here's the difference between somebody who gets everything we're talking about and does something immediately with a shifting market. Okay. John is somebody who will take every listing every time. Like God help you if you are competing against him. He's 100%. a nice guy, but he will close. He pre-qualifies. He knows how to price property. He knows how to sell it. However, just like everyone else, interest rates went up and the showing activity went down. And it's worse in Canada because they don't really do adjustable rate mortgages. They don't have a lot of interesting loan products to 
to help fix that problem. In Canada, there are no such thing as non-recourse loans. Yeah, it's pretty serious. You it's- you default on a loan, a mortgage in Canada, they actually pursue you for the negative for the money that the bank right. lost. Yeah, so things are you know there's some different rules up there, but here's what he has immediately done because the showing activity is low. He's sitting with. His typical 10 actives with two coming soons. Well, what would most agents do? No showings, 10 listings. The market's terrible. I'm not going to take any more listings. Why, why would I want more of that? Why would I want more listings? But John Walkinshaw is a professional, and so his solution is to... His solution is, this week, he is hot-riding all of his signs, making sure that there are brochure boxes on every single lawn so that he is generating leads, sign calls, brochure calls. He's doing rotational open houses, which the sellers expect and which he can lead generate off of. And he has instantly doubled his magic number. And now we're shooting for 20 to 25 to do probably the same business that he's been doing with a a faster, hotter market. But here's the thing. Here's the difference between him and the rest. He does that like that. He flips the switch. He goes, I understand what's going on. Instead of ruminating about it, instead of being depressed and wandering around in the real estate wild saying, oh no, the world's coming to an end. Putting a bunch of polls on Facebook groups and asking their opinion. Nope. He's getting to work. He gets his ass to work and he decides to double his listings to get the same results. That's what a professional does, listeners. That's how you have to think if you want to survive and thrive in this market. The answer is, well, damn it, Julie, I got to double down on my TikToks. (laughs) You know? Okay. Because look, here's the magic number of formula. Uh, It's the number of listings you need at all times to meet or exceed all your financial obligations, your personal bills, your professional bills, and obviously your taxes. And, you know, we'll throw in a fourth category, savings and investing money as well. Those are what, that's what your magic number formula is. You add all those numbers up. You have divided by the average number or your average commission or the average commission in your marketplace. It gives you a number. That's the number you need uh, of listings you need at all times. Mm-hmm. When the market adjusts, like what Julie just described, you have to increase the number of active listings you have to make the averages work for you. How many people in the industry are telling you what Julie and I just told you? What we just told you is what we call the truth mm-hmm. versus what I frankly, I'm a fearful. So many of you are, you know, frankly, not listening to us. Or thinking that you need to double down on buying buyer leads. Yeah, well, not only are they not doubling their magic number because they don't understand it until maybe this podcast, that's okay. But some of them are getting fired from the listings that they have. Instead of building inventory, they're losing inventory, which is making them depressed. And they're not embracing you why know, that's happening. But here's who's not impressed. John Walkinshaw. No, Because John Walkinshaw wants to double the number of listings he has. And even though he probably a little bit feels sorry for the agents that are getting fired because they didn't get the, they're not, you know, the sellers got frustrated because sure. the agent was professional enough to know how to keep the listing long term. That shows up as an expired. They're calling John Walkinshaw. Yep. He's taking that listing. He's getting it priced correctly, positioned correctly. And he's getting the listing sold. The moral of the story is this is the greatest time. And I think there's no doubt about it. In the last 15 years to become a listing agent because there's such a massive skills deficit out there because so many agents, especially right now, frankly, took the active listings that are out there right now are generally taken, uh, are generally been listed by agents who had social relationships with those mm-hmm. sellers, but do not have the skills to get the listings uh, sold in the in a market, the direction that it's headed right now. So I want you to keep all these things in mind. So this goes back again to the fact that Julie and I talked about this a lot yesterday on the podcast, the greatest opportunities in business, 
right? The greatest opportunities of mankind have always been made, or the greatest fortunes have always been made during the greatest times of change. So in a particular, like John Walkinshaw, he's looking for opportunity in a market that arguably is not working, looking as great as it did last year. But for him, it is going to look great as it did last year, if not better, because he understands where the opportunity is with him deciding to drill down, get his magic number up. Now, here's the interesting thing. As he works harder to double the number of listings that he has, or as you decide you want to go from five listings at all times to 10 listings at all times, let's say you want to buy a vacation home, you want to pay off debt, you want to take your kids to Disney World, you want to buy a Ferrari, does not matter. Double the number of listings you have at all times, and then you will obviously increase the amount of income you have. It is more work as you work to increase the number of listings you have, or if you have no listings and you want to get to five, that's the work part. But once you've got a certain number of listings at all times, they're not in a market like this, frankly, going to all sell. They're going to sell eventually over time, but they're not going to all sell the second you put them on the market. So that way you might have, say, for example, if you have 10 listings at all times, you might have five that go on contract in May, then you need to replace those five. But let's say it's February and you only have two that go on contract. You need to replace those two. Your job is about always maintaining 10 active listings or whatever your magic number of listings is at all times. That is your only focus in real estate, getting to and then maintaining your magic number of listings at all times. You, once you follow this advice, once you learn how to proactively lead generate, once you learn how to pre-qualify and present, you can suck at pretty much everything else in real estate as long as you're good at these, these core disciplines because then you'll have consistent income. How do you know what your magic number formula is? And this is a concept Julian and I came up with years ago. We made it so that you can discover your magic number formula when you complete the real estate treasure map. Real estate treasure map, cheesy name aside, is our fill-in-the-blank business and life plan. It's waiting for you the second you join Premier Coaching. And all you have to do is text the word Premier to 47372. It's right there in the first section. It's 100% free along with a lot of other things. Download the treasure map. Complete it. It's not some one-pager. <laughs> it's not lightweight. It's not some silly, fluffy thing that you're just going to forget you did. It's not free on Google. Right. You can't Google it. You can't find it anyplace else. All of our stuff is copywritten. You cannot re-engineer uh, any of the uh, content that Julie and I have produced and created over the years. But you are going to get the treasure map for free for your personal use when you text the word Premier to 47372. Complete the treasure map. It'll tell you a real estate magic number. That is going to give all of you an amazing sense of clarity, amazing sense of focus, and a really, in a strange way, but it's true, and you'll discover this when you finish it, a real huge sense of relief because you finally have the focus that you've been hoping to discover that you need, frankly, in real estate, especially during challenging times like this. This is the most important thing in real estate is getting to and maintaining a certain number of active listings at all times. And we strongly encourage you to absolutely do this first whether, so I'm getting calls and emails and texts and people messaging us on Instagram who have big teams, who have you know been selling lots of houses and making a lot of money, and they're all asking us what they should do. What we, what all those you know mini coaching sessions where they all end up in is what I just told you guys. Get back to or finally get to the point where your listing's based and you work to a point where you have consistent income by having a certain number of listings at all times. 
you're going to have to move past your ego. You're going to have to move past your fear of learning to be a salesperson. You're going to have to move past your fear of rejection. You're going to have to move past your ego's desire for constant recognition. And you're going to have to finally drill down and earn the right to be truly successful in real estate. Julie, point number one. Yes. So this all goes back to actually taking the listings. So top 10 reason agent, top 10 reasons agents don't walk away with signed paperwork. Don't make these mistakes. Number one, you assumed it was yours and were lazy in your presentation. You took the business for granted. This manifests in several major mistakes. You showed up late or you did not give a real presentation. Or maybe it was a lack of pre-qualifying questions or not being careful with the price. Some other mistakes are things like rescheduling or not looking or sounding your best. An agent once told me that she thought the only reason she lost the listing opportunity was that she was wearing a very uncomfortable outfit, which made her unfocused, scattered, and less professional than she would normally be. So all of this goes into the same category. You assumed it was yours, and you were lazy in your presentation. You skipped steps. You did you know, lazy things like showing up late. You were sloppy. And we teach you all this in Premier Coaching. Again, if you want to join Premier Coaching, text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. You can join Premier Coaching for free. But in our book and, and obviously our coaching program, you have, we really drilled on point number one. There's the, like you took the Marine, the rifle prayer for the Marines. Yeah. You remember that? The the pre-listing prayer. Right, the pre-listing prayer. We teach you things to do in preparation for the appointment. The real estate, how do I explain this without trying to sound like I'm being too dramatic? I'll just say how I was thinking it. Your entire career should be focused on becoming the most powerful listing agent you can. And I know a lot of you have been fooled into believing that it's about you becoming an influencer, you becoming famous. The way you actually have real, and what you're really pursuing is a great reputation as a real estate professional. And what people have been trying to convince you is that you can somehow convince the public that you are successful through your marketing, through your branding, through your social media, through your rest of it. The way you become successful in anything in life is by earning the success. What you're really working on trying to create is a reputation of somebody who's a true professional. The way you do that ultimately is becoming a powerful listing agent. There's nothing more powerful in real estate, and no, it's not a TikTok video, (laughs) than a sold sign in someone's yard. That is 100% the truth. Put all your best efforts in becoming a listing agent, and we teach you down to the minutia in the coaching program exactly what you should be doing. Point number two. Point number two. You didn't know you were competing for the listing. Now, this is totally inexcusable. It is a result of not using a pre-qualification script. If you don't know whether you're competing or not, you're at a disadvantage. You should almost always go last in the lineup because that's the closing position. Wouldn't you rather know before you go so you can be ultra prepared? Don't you present differently when you know you're up against the previous agent, a commission cutter, or maybe the seller's even thinking about being a for sale by owner? Well, again, this goes back to the seven-step listing process. We teach you how to do this in the coaching program. First of all, you proactively lead generate. That means we're not asking you to buy leads. Second of all, now, a referral from an agent or a real company, that is buying leads in a form. But in a listing side of the business, if you're getting a referral from another agent, be happy to pay the referral fee. If you're getting a referral from a real company, assuming the real fee isn't outrageous, be happy to pay the real fee. So just be and clear. that's different than that's an actual assuming that you take the listing. That is an actual deal, which is different than paying for quote leads. Right. right? We are not proponents in any way of buying leads. Buying leads is 
insane, especially buying buyer leads. It always has been and it always will be. You want buyer leads, take one listing in any market. You take one listing, you price it right, you position it right, you put a sign in the yard. Julie mentioned hot routing the real estate sign. We show you how to do that in Premier Coaching. You will have no problem generating lots of free buyer leads. You pre-qualify those buyer leads, looking for those buyers that are actually also have homes to sell. And with the buyers that don't have homes to sell, you refer those out to other agents and you collect a 25% referral fee and you keep the ones that actually have homes to sell because that's how you continue to build your listing inventory. But guys, not knowing if you're competing, that is one of the biggest rookie mistakes ever, not positioning yourself correctly in the lineup of the agents that the seller is choosing to interview, biggest rookie mistake ever, assuming that you're not competing, biggest rookie mistake ever. These all are things, mistakes that should be avoided by simply pre-qualifying and asking all the questions on our seller pre-qualification script. Mm -hmm. If you went on a listing appointment and you've discovered that the seller is not going to be committing to you because they have two other agents to interview and you end up not taking the listing, it was your fault. It wasn't the seller's fault. It wasn't the other agent's fault for lowering their commission or raising their price or because they're on the same bowling league with the seller. It was your fault for not following a, prof not following a professional system. That is the bottom line. Take ultimate responsibility. Point number three, Julie. Point number three, you didn't know what price the seller had in mind before you showed up. Now, in previous podcasts this week, we talked extensively about this particular. So again, maybe you lost it because you didn't know what price the seller had in mind before you showed up. This doesn't mean they're right about their price, but you should know what's going on in their pricing brain before you present your comparative market analysis. Sometimes sellers know about private sales that may be affecting pricing. They may have a home in probate, a comp in probate, relocation, any number of reasons. If you don't ask, you're at a huge disadvantage and perhaps they just had the house appraised. You can always say, that's interesting. How did you arrive at that price? And here's a secret. Don't ever allow the seller to know more about comparable sales than you do. You also might find out that the seller was just talking to the neighbor and the neighbor's about to put their house for sale at a certain price. And that's obviously a potential comp or competition when that's the right. actual house goes active. So again, these questions, which Julie just shared with you, all goes back to the pre-qualification script. Hopefully you guys are all getting this very clear in your head. The listing appointment itself should not be a moment or a, a, a very stressful experience. When you follow our listing presentation, your listing appointment itself should be less than 30 minutes, ideally less than 20, because I got news for you guys. I don't care how funny you think you are, how nice you think you are, how pretty you think you are, that seller does not want you in their house, period. They want you out of there as fast as possible. You're inconveniencing them. And if they have a family, obviously their family as well. They want you out of there as fast as possible. Get the job done. Get the job done. That's the point of pre-qualifying. That's the point of sending a pre-listing pack. Those things will do the work for you prior to you going on the appointment. That way, when you're at the seller's house, it's what we call a paperwork appointment where you're picking up the paperwork, where you're going to do a quick preview of the house. At that point, they've already decided to list the house with you, assuming you don't show up like a schmuck, assuming you don't show up late, assuming you don't make a fool of yourself. It's your listing to lose when you follow our seven-step listing process. Point number four. So point number four, you might not have taken the listing because you don't actually know the competition or the neighborhood well enough to actually speak with authority. Here's the secret. Preview the competition. Know the average days on the market, not just for your town or city, but the actual neighborhood. Know the list to sell price ratio for the latest comparables. Know if that's going up or down or remaining stable. And I have to confess that where I personally, when I was pricing, I would be challenged by this because there was so much of the same kind of building in Columbus, like 
am I built everywhere, all over the place, right? And so I would have a model in my home, in my head, that we had just priced it, say 400000 in Powell, and then we would drive to like Galloway or Pickerington or something. Same model, I'm thinking 400, I just, we just listed this. And yet that other zip code didn't sell as much because there was more of well, it. Well, the land was it, cheaper, the land it wasn't was as cheaper. desirable. Everything, but, maybe right. the schools weren't rated as high, whatever the case may be, there was a reason, even though it was almost the exact same house. So you have to do your research, not just for your town. Maybe you have memorized that your town's average days on the market is blah, but you go to this subdivision and it's different. The other thing that creeps into point number four, and let's do one more point, Julie. Yep. The other thing that creeps into point number four is the competition from new construction. Uh, I was just on a Zoom this morning with two really top producing agents, great, amazing agents in Iowa. And we were talking about the fact that DR Horton now is lowering the prices on all their new construction in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Now, they're in Iowa. They don't realize that the rest of the country doesn't have as much new construction as they have. But in their market, I bet you for every four listings, three of them have been new construction over the last few years. Well, guess what? DR Horton, you know, the, essentially the saber-toothed tiger in the marketplace, yeah. they're lowering prices by 30 grand, 40 grand, which is going to force the other builders to lower their price by 30 or 40 grand. The other border, builders might not have the room to lower their prices. What's going to happen to those builders? What's the effect that's going to have on resale? So you got to know all that when you go on a listing appointment. And if you're uncomfortable having this level of knowledge, if you don't have this level of knowledge and your competitor does or even worse, frankly, the seller does, which most of them will because all this information is available just by making a little bit of effort online. Uh, the way you have the advantage is by previewing prior to going on appointments. By the way, if you're a new agent or even, if, frankly, if you're an agent ready to take your business to the next level and you join the coaching program by texting the word PREMIER to 47372, there's something that's waiting for you called the 90-Day Massive Action Plan. One of the elements in the 90-Day Massive Action Plan, and this is exactly what you should be doing for the next 90 days. You're looking, you're wondering what the hell you should be doing for the next 90 days. Every single day, we've already mapped it all out for you. Just follow the 90-Day Massive Action Plan as we want you previewing how because you've got to really know the market because the way you have a competitive advantage over, frankly, the seller's knowledge and your potential competitors is you've actually been to the houses. You can actually speak from experience. It's not just you know square footage and pictures and locations and all the rest of it. It's the fact that this house was not just a you know bigger house, but you know more bedrooms, but also was in a great location, or it was in a terrible location, or had a huge gas line that was you know an easement in the backyard, or all kinds of different things. Those are the reasons why you will or won't take a listing. And it's very interesting because the more analytical the seller, and if you're in a, a town where there's a lot of engineer types that work there. Or you guys know what I'm talking about, right? If you're you know, going on a listing appointment and the person, if you want to use DISC as a C type, you're going to discover that they will be some of the most uh, treacherous if you're more personality based when you're presenting to get the listings For from. Sure. They don't even, they'll appreciate your pre-listing pack. They'll appreciate the fact you pre that you uh, pre-qualified. They'll appreciate the fact you showed up on time and you're a professional. But if your CMA isn't drilled down as much as theirs and they might not even show it to you, they won't list with you. I used to hate it when they would like roll out their spreadsheet, you know, and I, I was thinking, oh my gosh. And, and I, I would, you know, you, you don't always know that you're going to get that. Sometimes when you pre-qualified, you talk to one spouse and their spouse is now the highly analytical engineer. Let's say you're in Round Rock and everybody works for, was it Dell or I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you're in front of somebody like that, right? You have to have, I used to have like my normal comps, you know, three active, three sold, three pending. And then I'd have like my backup comps in case I had that person. 
and then I could, I could be more or less detailed. You've got to be prepared. So these are the fine nuances that you get from coaching. What we do on the podcast is more training. Coaching is drilling down and really getting into that competitive nitty gritty because if you're going to do anything other than just list, you know, your mom's house and one past client's house, you've got to learn how to be competitive and win every time. Well, it goes back to, again, pre-qualifying. It's something we teach you in coaching is if you know, for example, what the people do for a living, and let's say you've got a couple doctors or you've got a couple engineer types. You're halfway there. It, right? Well, and, and you're not showing up over-prepared on the CMA side of things, not having your net sheets done properly, sent ahead of time. And then you're late. And then you're late. You're not going to take that listing. I do not care that you have a golden retriever and so do they, okay? They're not going to list the house with you. Now, if you show yeah. up and there's a, you know, you're gregorious and you're the life of the party and they're not detailed people and you're not a detailed person, well, that's going to work for you. But you've always got to walk into every situation. It's the old Boy Scout thing, right? Always be over-prepared. Hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. And what a lot of agents have done, they've been spoiled by this market for the last 15 years. No pre-qualifying, no listing presentation, nothing. The sellers weren't that selective who they listed with because they knew the house would sell itself. For the most part, they put it in the MLS, they overprice it, and it sells for even higher price beyond that. No inspections, no appraisals, nothing. Stand in line if you if you want to you know see the house after you close well, it. Well, their right. toolkit was empty. Yeah, exactly. So agents have been spoiled into believing that they are good, if not better than they actually are, uh, because the market has essentially lifted all ships. Those ships are now sitting on dry dock. You guys get what I'm saying here? It's time for you to get your skills on point number five. Okay, this will be our final point today. You might have lost the listing because you were overly rigid with your commission and or your pricing. In addition, you didn't create a game plan, so the seller still feels like they're winning. No, any other questions is not an effective script, especially if the seller is doing multiple transactions, a repeat client, a referring client, or someone who's tight on funds to make the move. Having zero flexibility and then bragging that you walked away from the listing because they wouldn't take your commission or your price. Well, guess what? You just walked away from the whole deal, so you didn't really win, did you? That's your ego, right? That's right. right. I and mean, that's what sellers... I will see that listing agents or agents went on a listing appointment and they'll rationalize their loss because the seller didn't, Julie just said it, and oh, we hate it. But you guys look for this, and please don't be this agent. I didn't take the listing. I walked away. They wouldn't be, take my price. Because they wouldn't take my price. Or Our because, yeah, exactly, whatever it is. You lost the listing because your ego, and you, you think you're somehow carrying the cross for the real estate industry. My God, I'm not going to lower my standards. Well, guess what? You're now basically not going to have the money in six months to pay your house payment. You guys get the point? Yeah. You got to be thinking bigger. The reason you lost is because the seller chose somebody else over you. If you think you have to cut your commission to take listings, it's because you don't know how to handle the commission objection. That's something that's handled in the pre-listing pack. If you think you have to overprice listings to get the uh, take the listing, that's because you do not ha know how to explain to the seller the importance of pricing the house correctly. If you think you have to promise the seller the star that you know cover the New York Times and the good your blimp and spending all your what would be your profit from selling the home on marketing advertising it's because you do not know how to explain to the seller what actually gets property sold you are absolutely suffering a deficit of skills and it's going to take for many of you essentially losing before you realize what you don't know okay so true story new coaching client comes to us in atlanta okay he says i know how to now get listing appointments but I keep losing him. And he said, let me tell you a story. I'm confessing now. And those are always interesting ones, <laughs> they right? They are. He said, the reason I'm coming to you to finally get involved in coaching, to finally get a pre-listing package and the pre-qualification script and everything else you guys do is because of this. He said, I went on a listing presentation. I was pretty confident about it. I spent a lot of time doing the comparables. 
was, I think I was talking to him on Monday. He said, I went on Saturday night. I didn't get it. And here's what I, he said, not only did I not get it, but I wasted not one, not two, not three, but four hours at the seller's house. Whoa. And he said, I didn't really get how to close them or handle objections. So I just kept talking. He said, then I looked at my watch and I realized I'd been there four hours. So then I just went straight to commission cutting. I offered it for 1% and they still didn't list with me. So he, he's like confessing. He had, so you clearly, know, he, he got part of the way, right? He, he could right. get a listing appointment, but that's, that's not the end game. But that, here, that's great. Here's what they're taking. Take the listeners should be hearing what you're saying mm-hmm. because he got good at setting appointments. He probably wasn't pre-qualifying. No, he okay, said he wasn't. He, so remember, it's a seven-step listing process, proactively generation. He stopped there. He didn't go to the other six steps well, in the listing process. how many process. people are just excited to have the appointment? So they go. A hundred percent. But other, here's the thing. Our listing presentation is again, copywritten. Our listing presentation, which part of it is called the Sharpie close. Some of you who've been with Julie and I for ages, you haven't had to use the Sharpie close for a long damn time. And here's the point of the Sharpie close. You're not going to talk about things the seller does not give a rat's ass about. You're going to ask the seller what it is that they're most interested in. Mr. Seller, what are the two or three things that are most important to you? in the you know quality skills that the listing agent that you're going to choose to hire has. What are the two or three things that I must have before you make the decision to hire me for the job of selling your home? The seller will tell you what's important to them. And then 99% of the time, they're going to rattle off something that's already been covered in the, in the pre-listing pack or in essentially uh, when you pre-qualify them. In other words, they might say they want some more information on how commission works, or they might say they want some more information on pricing or your marketing plan. Those are typically the three things they're going to ask about. They don't care about your awards. They don't care that you're number one. They don't care that your kid's on the same swim team. They don't care the fact that you are doing all these other things that you're talking about that they don't care about. You are walking into these appointments, torturing these poor sellers into hearing your all about you. They don't want to hear about you. They want you to hear about them and solve their problem. That's what you are. As a professional salesperson, everything is questions-based and everything's about solving the seller's problem. That's the reason by the time you get to the seller's house, we tell you exactly what to do. We tell you where to park your car. We tell you to... Uh, your- what to wear, what to drive. We give you a little prayer to say before you get out of your car. We even car. have a piece on how to shake hands. We even tell pump. you what music to listen to, to motivate yourself before you even get out of your car. We tell you to knock on the door and take a step back. That way, you're not just essentially when they open the door, it's not like some Friday the 13th murderer thing. You know, they have an opportunity to look at you through their peephole or through the ring doorbell or whatever. We tell you to walk in the door, what to do, what to say, how to hold yourself, where to put your suitcase, your briefcase, whatever the hell it is. We tell you to what to do with your shoes. If you walk into a seller's house and nobody in the house is wearing shoes and there's a nicely organized line of shoes by the door and you wear your clumpity ass heels all the way through the house, you are not going to get the listing. I do not care how professional you think you are because the whole time they were there and they're very focused on making sure that their house is clean. In fact, they cleaned it up for you to show up. And you're walking around the house with your clippity cloppity shoes on. You're the whole time making it so it's fingers, nails on chalkboard the whole time because you're obviously not in alignment with how they run their house, which is no shoes. These are the silliest little tiny details that only come from experience, having coached hundreds of thousands of agents at this point. Here's another one. And you know sold real estate ourselves. That's right. Here's another one. This one's really silly. How about this? 
Julie and I, when we went on listing appointments, we went from selling average sale price homes to really expensive homes in our market. Well, we quickly learned when we went on really expensive homes, we may have had the cash day of the experience. We may have had the right jib jab. We knew what to say, how to say it, fancy listing appointment, the rest of it. But if they didn't think we were like them, what does that mean? I'll explain it in a second. We wouldn't take the listings. What does like them mean? We would watch, and this is how we learned. We only had to do this once to know. When we walked in, we would see if they're wearing shoes. No shoes, we'd take our shoes off. If they were wearing shoes, we'd ask them if they wanted us to take our shoes off. Mm -hmm. The shoes thing seems like a stupid point, but it is a very important point. If they weren't wearing shoes, we did not ask them if they wanted us to take our shoes off. We took our shoes off yes. because it's a sign of respect for the family. It's a sign of respect for the homeowner. We took our shoes off, and what we noticed was on the more expensive listings, they would see what kind of shoes they were. I totally remember that. They would look at you know the inside of your shoe to see what the labels were. Not like overtly, like no, they're studying it. No, they take it. a glance, and it they, was enough that we noticed. And some of you are rolling your eyes like, oh, you know, if they're going to be that flaky, I don't want to work with them. Well, guess what? It's a way to easily win and to blend, and it is important in business that you are like people that you expect to have trust you. You so again, if you're saying I don't want to work with upper end people because they're more, they're more, they're you know, they're, they're trying to virtue signal as to whether I'm like them. Well, you're doing the same thing when you wear a plaid on your listing appointments, and I'm wearing plaid right now, so I'm not making fun <laughs> of people that wear plaid, right? When you wear plaid on your listing appointments, you're trying to virtue signal that you're like them as well, right? All you're trying to do is you're trying to make it so that they're comfortable with you. They're looking for reasons not to do business with you. They're looking for reasons to rule you out, not rule you in, especially when the market's like it is. Oh, and by the way, the kind of car you drive does matter. It absolutely does matter. If you're driving around San Francisco in a very progressive, liberal-type environment and a huge, blundering suburban, and everyone there is driving Teslas or riding e-bikes or a Hummer, right? That's going to work against you. Yes, and the opposite can be true as well. Yeah, if you're going to rural Texas where everyone's driving a 20-year-old uh, F-150 and you show up in a snazzy BMW or some new Tesla, well, maybe a Tesla in Texas because they make Teslas in Texas, but you guys get the idea. It won't work for you. If you're selling in a marketplace where everyone's wearing boots and you show up in flip-flops, these are things that should be obvious to all of you. It's called when in Rome. Exactly. And some of you, the millennials especially, not yeah. picking on millennials, yeah. but you guys think that your whole world is evolved around you. Like everyone's trying to, you know, this is how I look. This is how I present. This is how, what I wear. This is my personal brand. Love it or like it. Take it or leave it. That is a very narcissistic way to approach life. And you're going to find that more often than not, people are going to leave it. When you're in sales, your primary objective is to help people solve problems. And understand, people that have problems are inherently scared and skeptical. That's the reason you have to make them feel more comfortable with you by making it so that you're more like them. Watches matter. Cars matter. Clothes you wear matter. The bag you carries matter. You know all this intuitively, don't you? Well, it really matters when you're competing, especially as you go upper end. This should not be a fearful thing for you uh, from or something that's going to keep you from going upper end. This should be something that gives you permission, what I'm saying and Julian is saying now, to give you to go upper end because we're giving you kind of the decoder ring to sort yeah. of move up market. These are all the types of things that we want you to embrace Quickly, don't struggle with this for the next five or 10 years. Have, for example, in your closet, clothes for going on listing appointments that are on the upper end of your market, right? Sure. Clothes that are on the lower end. Work it out. Make it make sense. Make it so that when you walk into the house, you are like them, look like them, act like them, talk like them. 
everything is like them, they will instantly feel more comfortable with you. That's one, it, it's a subconscious thing, right? People are looking for people that are like them that will instantly feel more comfortable. It's not a right or a wrong thing. It's not a, I'm not trying to make a social statement thing. You're not trying to manipulate anything. You're not doing anything weird here. You're trying to make it easier for them to say yes to you because you actually are the best agent for the job of solving their real estate problems. The other thing with regards to how you show up and how you look, if it is weird for you to dress a little bit nicer, that means you need to be dressing nice, more nicely when you go out on a daily basis. If the only time you put on, and it doesn't even have to be a suit, but if the only time you put on business attire is for a listing presentation, you are naturally going to be a li little bit more squirmy and uncomfortable in those clothes. I had this discussion with a coaching client this morning who was talking about the power of dressing nicer when they were out doing their center of influence events because they always look like they're coming or going from a closing and how much that caused a discussion about what they did for a living. Well, women are much better at this than men, frankly. Men are pretty lazy with how they present And this most was of the with time. a guy that just, he just yeah. actually had that light bulb go but off. But like women yeah. are very good at knowing how, like every lady is listening to, you know, you and I talk right now going like, duh. I know. Right, exactly. of course. Like, that's why I have my nails done every Exactly. Week. Or that's yeah. the reason I, you know, ladies are very good at knowing exactly what I'm talking about. Men you, Not so much. We're all kind of dumb about this stuff, and I'm hopefully helping you move past your dumbness and realize the reason that you might not be taking the listing is some of these little simple things that you can easily correct. It's not just about skills. It's certainly not just about how to do a kick-ass CMA. It's not about being some big Gregorius bouncing off the walls, life of the party types. It's about everything working in conjunction and all these little tiny nuanced things that we're having fun, frankly, bantering about yeah. or should making should hopefully make all of you realize well damn so all i have to do is make these tiny little tweaks all you have to do is learn how to proactively lead generate uh pre-qualify and present and then you're telling me that those are the three most important things in real estate yes but make sure you're not dropping the ball on some of these other little nuanced things we teach you in coaching yes join coaching do that now text the word premiere to 47372 or if you'd prefer just go to members.timandjulieharris.com members.timandjulieharris.com guys thank you for continuing to make this number and listen to daily podcasts for real estate professionals in at least the united states look guys it does not matter what the market's going to bring to you it does not matter what rates do, politics do, does not matter. None of it matters. The fact is that as long as you have the skills that the market demands, you will always be in demand. So now it's your job to get the skills. Text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.